can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. This podcast is on iTunes and Google Play, which you can find simply by searching Sports Blog New York Podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com and click on the podcast tab and any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. If you do not do so already, please follow us on our Twitter, which is at SportBlogNYC. And also, if you like what you've been hearing so far with the podcast, listen to some old episodes. Maybe you could leave a rating and review on iTunes or Google Play. And what uh, we've been working on lately is if you leave a review of this podcast, leave some stars for us, we will re- review you on a future episode. So tell us what you're working with, what you like about the podcast, what you like about me, maybe what you don't like. But either way, interaction is great. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Review it on iTunes and Google Play. And we'll do the same about you, one of our listeners. But without further ado, we have my man Alec Argento in the house tonight. What's up, man? Oh, so dudes, nothing much. Just watching some game in the background. <laughs> well, I'm glad everybody knows now. <laughs> tonight on The Bill, we have some really fun stuff to talk about. So I know one thing you're really hyped up about. A lot of people are saying that the Yankees are back. The Yankees are back. Is it true? I don't know. We'll get into that later. But what we do want to know is when do we reach the point we have to readjust expectations for this young Yankees team. So stay tuned for that because that is going to be a big talking point for Alec and I throughout this podcast. Also, if you've been watching the Mets lately, they cannot score. They can't score consistently. They hit some home runs. They're losing games with two runs scored, three runs scored, one run scored. And their bullpen is getting exposed. But what is the true problem for the Mets? Is it the lackluster bullpen or their inability to put runs on the board? So we'll talk about that as well. And then also we're going to play a little game that we're going to say, do you even care, bro, about the NBA playoffs? Because there's a bunch of series in the first round that feel interesting that might not actually be. A bunch of series that are basically over already. And then maybe a few we actually care about. So we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. And we're going to let you know if it's even worth your while to watch a series or keep up with it or not. Uh, And then lastly, what we're going to get into to start off the show is to talk about the nonsense work of those Mel Kuyper Juniors and Todd McShays of the world. I remember Alec had a great quote during the NCAA tournament saying how bracketologists are literally paid for nonsense work. Well, I have some thoughts about NFL draft uh, workers because they might get paid for nonsense work too. Of course they do. So we have what? ESPN probably has NFL mock draft like 42.0 out at this point. Like when you're looking at mock drafts or when you're hearing about this stuff, how much do you actually trust a mock draft ever? It's, it's ridiculous to trust it at all. I mean, what, first of all, why would any team reveal what they're doing? They, all they're going to do is just kind of uh, mislead every other team or put out false information just to uh, change the board up. And what's the I, I want to look at the statistics of the accuracy of these bracket uh, the, the draft experts. You maybe you can guess like three out of the first four, something like that. As soon as someone jumps the gun, the entire board is completely different. How could you guarantee when what a team's going to take when it's in fifty three spots on the roster? Um, and no team just has one need. No, and and it, it, there's a quality of what's available as well, and who values what. You know, th- there's a there's a a theory out there that if if you have a quarterback that you 
people are putting in the fourth round, fifth round. But if they can win you eight games uh, or down the road, if you think that they're starting caliber talent eventually, you take them no matter where you are in the draft. So if people have that mentality, then any this it's just like astrology work. It's nonsense. It's absolute <laughs> nonsense. And they just get paid like millions of dollars to do this. I think it's also hilarious. I always specifically found it funny that guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay – who, you know, I don't want to attack this. Mel like, Kuyper looks like a light bulb. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> I, I Something to, wrong. I have to see a picture to, like, visualize that I in my head. For you. But that's a funny <laughs> concept. So I'm, I'm going I'm to keep that one in the back <laughs> pocket for a second. I always laugh kind of specifically at Kuyper and McShay as they get pegged as these NFL mock draft guys. And I'm not trying to attack them as, like, human beings because I'm sure they're fine people, maybe. Wow, he really looks like a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird shaped head with his hair like if that. About Kuiper Jr. I'm guessing Senior looks even more like a light bulb. Yeah. Well, he when looks... I say Kuiper, I mean Junior because he's the. I'm just kidding. He, he, he looks like he's always having a good idea. <laughs> That's pretty good. But yeah, like I said, I'm sure they're hard workers. They're doing their job. I mean, you can't blame them for ESPN no, putting them the game. right, putting them on the this pedestal. But all the people in the world who like they go through every mock draft that gets created, like. Oh my God! The Jets are gonna take Trubisky now. Like I'm gonna freak out. Like just because Mel Kiper says it, or Todd McShay says it, or some Bleacher Report thing says it, like 95% of the point of a mock draft done by ESPN, the big league, Fox Sports, name any website or TV station, Sports whatever Bug you want, New York. or Sports Blog New York, is to get you to look at it. So obviously they're gonna try to say some ridiculous crap. So it's gonna get you hyped up. Like Mel Kiper's Jr.'s job is not to get picks right. It's to get you to click on an article. That's what his sole purpose for ESPN is. Or to make you tune into SportsCenter at 6.30. Because obviously the landscape of sports and stuff is changing. So they're putting these personalities onto literally ridiculous nonsense work. Because every single day a new mock draft comes out and it changes. AKA, the they're all too. wrong. But they're the all wrong. Too. The same people make revisions to their mock drafts. You couldn't get it right the first time. It means you have no information. You have no credibility if you do that. I, I said it before on the last time we were talking about the bracketologist. When you go to see a psychic or something like that, legally they have to tell you that it's all uh, just for entertainment purposes. Why do these people get to just make hundreds of thousands and, and, and millions of dollars? Well, something? I'm sure some psychics do okay too on the bank. Yeah, but, but like they're deluded. Some of them believe it, but they legally, they're legally forced to say it. So why do these bracketologists and, and these mock draft experts just get, get away with it? Well, they do have connections. That's the thing, right? But this is where it gets interesting, and I said this to you earlier uh, before we started recording. I was listening to Colin Cowherd, which I do often. I know you like to make fun of me for that. Weird. But Colin said that Mel Kuyper literally told him once that he knows for a fact that people inside organizations, whether it be GMs or whoever's working in the front offices – Literally tell him wrong information on purpose to create a narrative for other teams to be like, wow, oh, the Browns like this guy. Actually, they like this guy. And it's all just nonsense work to manipulate everybody. And, you know, some people win, some people lose. Whoever Who's losing is the fans who get hoodwinked every time they click on a new mock draft. And uh, if, you, if you do that much research into a mock draft, you're a nerd and you deserve to get hoodwinked. <laughs> then, you know, the whole thing is that it's just it, people... Every like everyone in this country just wants football all the time at any given time. They'll look for any excuse at any point point in the year when there's no football season to get involved in the football season. So that's what it is. And it's it gets to the point where it's ridiculous. And I think a lot of people I know, like you and I, are fatigued by it. Like yeah. I'm fatigued by football talk all the time because you know I don't want to hear about who the Jets are going to draft 
you know, when the play the NFL playoffs are going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and that because that's when it starts. It starts that early. Like, you know, if you're gonna do that, it needs to be like specifically. Like, if it was a specific Jets podcast, hour news cycle. It's a 24 hour news cycle, Pete. That's what I'm saying. Like a specific Jets podcast should cover that all the all the time because you know it's their biggest thing. But if it's like. ESPN New York, and they're covering the Jets draft thing. And that's all I hear. I still, I'm just like... I, first of all, like, I, I hate hockey. Hockey could go kick rocks, but like it's the, the Rangers playoffs, the NBA playoffs, baseball's back, the Yankees have been doing well, Mets are an exciting team sometimes. Um, how are we still talking about mock drafts right now? I well, I mean, like, now it's realistic because the draft is next week, but... Still, though, like, what, what, what can you discuss that hasn't already been said? You I, have nothing to talk about. You're just making up storylines at this point. It's so stupid. It really is. It Dumb. really is so if, interesting. If you listen to it, you're silly. You're you know what's funny? <laughs> I'm sitting here today, like, really crapping on mock drafts and all this stuff. There's a good chance that Sports Blog New York, with myself involved, will do <laughs> some sort of NFL draft coverage uh, this week, whether well, it be Wednesday or Thursday. Listen, if it's the week of or something like that, I get it. And also, how about the people who, like, go out of their way to do round twos and round threes? What a ridiculous concept. Are you serious? <laughs> like... <laughs> You can't guess the first round even remotely close, and they're just going to bullshit through uh, the next 13 rounds, or was it 10 rounds in the uh, NFL draft? I think what the consensus for me would be, and this goes for the NBA draft, NFL draft, obviously the MLB draft is a different animal, just make big boards. Yeah. Make big boards. Fine with that. I you agree. know what I'm saying? Like, I agree. If you think that Miles Garrett is number one player, put him at number one, and then number two, two, three, three. Don't, like, you're, if you're, tra- if you're literally just life. trying, yeah, I heard that. If you're literally trying to guess what is in the Jets' mind of the front office, there's no point in it. How I'd rather hear from you who you think is the best player in that order. You know, I, agree. I think there's more value to that. So a fan who's watching the draft can say, "Oh, a guy who I like actually scouted this guy at seven. He fell to fourteen. I think maybe my team just got a steal because the guy I trust." Values him as as the seventh best player. That's just, way more you know beneficial for me. And you can you can do you can do tiers of, of of positions too. That way it's just much more I don't know it's much more credible than seeing a mock draft and just assuming what every team is. It's so stupid, it aggravates me. I personally I couldn't care less as a Giants fan. We're going to the 20, 26 20, pick or something like that. Twenty three, you know. There's no way know, anyone's like ever like if somebody guesses who the Giants are going to pick. It's literally just a guess, so it doesn't matter to me. It's it, it, what these mock drafts are. I'll be excited the day of the draft to see who they pick. Absolutely, that's it. That's right. it. And like, and obviously going forward, but like, you know, I don't, I don't need to know. Whatever anybody's saying is just nonsense. Right, and it's all educated guesses, and you know, I wouldn't even say it's if, all educated. It's <laughs> true. Just guesses. It's mostly all just guesses. So the guy who the Giants, uh, in my my mind, I would like for them to end up with is the guy Najoku, the tight end from Miami, right? But you could look at you know two mock drafts by credible quote unquote credible sources, and he could be as high as like sixteen, and he could be like a mid second round, which you know is fair. We don't know what's going to happen yet, but it's just so interesting and also irritating to see such a wide variety. Right, and tune in for our next segment right after the one after where we do a mock draft on this podcast. So. <laughs> That um, would be quite hypocritical. But you know what? Maybe we'll just quite do it. Hopefully we get Cam Robinson, though. I think he might fall in there. We'll see. We shall see. That uh, chill. But speaking of drafts, the NFL draft is actually this week. It starts on Thursday. And the first, the first round is always pretty entertaining, in my opinion. Because this year, like other years, there's no consensus quarterback. And I don't care. I mean, Miles Garrett is, is going to be the number one pick. It's pretty obvious. I mean, 95% obvious, at least. But the most interesting storyline is the quarterbacks. 
So we shall see what happens. Because once that first quarterback goes, quarterback a, a lot can happen. And uh, let's just play like a quick guessing game. Because, you know, you could be Mel Kuyper Jr. and I'll be Todd McShay for the next 10 seconds. Then <laughs> do the draft draft. Do the Jets draft a quarterback at number six? Uh, if they're smart, no. But knowing the Jets, they like to just stockpile mediocre quarterbacks. Probably. <laughs> I think I think no. Uh, I, think I, I think it's because they're they're actually afraid to swing and miss. That, and I, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I, I think that's totally fair. You go, you go with the safe. If you're the Jets, you go with the safest upside player. You don't have to take the high, biggest high-risk, high-reward guy. Just go for a guy that you know is going to be good to really good. You don't need to get someone who's great. Get someone who's going to be there on your team for a couple of years. who has got a good um, kind of personality and everything for the team. Someone who's going to bring a good culture to the team. And that you're not going to swing a miss, uh, swing a miss on. Then worry about the quarterback situation because you're not going to be good for a couple of years. There's no way they dig themselves out of this hole anytime soon. Swing, uh, you know, take build the pieces around it. When you get the quarterback, then that's your centerpiece. It's it's so hard to get. Don't force the issue. If you think there's a quarterback, it's probably not the quarterback. So unless you're getting an Andrew Luck type, I mean, we saw it with with RG three a couple of years ago because Andrew Luck got taken, and there was another quarterback who was probably going to be good. They forced him all the way up to the second pick. He probably wasn't deserving even close to the second pick. So. Right. So there's your inside information from Todd McShay. <laughs> but uh, this is this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that little segment on the NFL draft and how we think it's absolute nonsense work for the people to create mock drafts, especially when you have version 33 coming out uh, every every single week. But that's all we got on the NFL Draft. Sports Blog New York Podcast, iTunes, Google Play, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm Peter Kennedy, joined here with Alec Argento. So The next thing we're going to get into is the NBA playoffs. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you, many people are saying that the Yankees are back. Is it true? We'll get there. But when is it time to readjust expectations? I don't know. It might be time already. But we're going to get into that after some NBA talk. So the NBA playoffs is on. I think... To quickly synopsize your opinion, is that a word? Synopsize? Definitely not, but sure. Okay, I think it makes sense though. Summarize? Yeah, sure. <laughs> to summarize your point quickly, you're not a huge fan of the NBA playoffs in the sense that you're not interested in many series because you think they're irrelevant yeah. and you don't want to watch all the games. Is that a fair thing to say? I, I think that's very fair. Okay, so we're going to play a game because I think there's a lot of people like you and then there's people like maybe, say, me who are just kind of interested in a lot of different things, even if they're not that relevant. But we're going to go through it. So we're going to play a game, and we're going to say, do you even care about a series? If it's worth your time, bro. Bro. (laughs) So let's start at the top. Obviously, let's just knock out the Cavs' first-round series. I didn't care a lot. And the Warriors' first-round series. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers have played as quite as good as they can, and they keep losing, and they're not going to win a game. Those series are over. The Cavs' series is literally over now. So let's skip those. Let's go to the next one. We got Spurs, Memphis Grizzlies tied at 2-2 right now. Couldn't care less. Do you even care, bro? Couldn't care less. Absolutely not. Like, do you care enough to even make a sentence why you don't care? No, absolutely not. <laughs> why would I ever give a shit about the Grizzlies? Uh, the grit and grind? Yeah, no. Put that, <laughs> Zach, put that in your data or whatever that least said. Um, <laughs> take that for data. Yeah, whatever. Um, Mike, Mike, are they trying to convince me Mike Conley is a superstar? Is that what it what I'm supposed to be listening to? Oh, no. I, I have... No, I'm not you. Not you. What the, what I'm, what, I don't understand what the storyline is there. Why, why do I care? It's going to be the Spurs. They might throw a runner or something like that, but it's going to be the Spurs. 
I think the sad part is, even if the Grizzlies somehow knock off the Spurs in the first round, no one cares still, because no. they'll, all they'll say is, I can't believe the Spurs blew it, and then Memphis will probably lose in the next round. Anyway. is it? It's a, it's a foregone conclusion it's going to be Rockets-Warriors uh, in, the, in the conference finals, right? Maybe. But let's let's move on then, because I think I think it's pretty fair to say Spurs Memphis. Even though it's two two now, not that fun, not that fun. So let's move on. Next one, OKC Houston. Do you even care, bro? I did when I first like turned on the playoffs. Now, absolutely not. Doesn't matter. It's over. And we all convinced ourselves that it was going to be a good series. But we, in reality, we probably all knew that the Rockets were just going to run away with it, and which is happening. I still kind of care. But I'm waning. It's waning. How could you still possibly care? Like, I watched this game today, and I told you this. The Thunder had a hundred reasons why they were supposed to win that game. They outplayed them from top to bottom. And I kept saying to myself, Houston is getting so outplayed right now, and they're only down five. That does not bode well for OKC. And it really just showed them fall apart at the end of the game. Dumb decisions from the coach to the last player on the court. This... Interested, not good decisions, uh, not great team play when it mattered most, and the Rockets seem to just be so much better than them offensively that it doesn't matter that OKC is better defensively because they're just outscoring them, pretty much. It's modern day NBA, man. That's it. All right, so we actually you don't care about OKC Houston. I kind of care, but I, mean, I don't I really care. There was a point where I was definitely interested. All right, and last but not least, Clippers Jazz. Do you even care, bro? There's more. Oh, in the West. In the West. No, just in the West. In the oh, West. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Clippers, Jazz. I, I mean, that's probably the only storyline left in, in now that Blake Griffin's out and Gobert's hurt. Um, but I don't really care. I know you're a big like uh, you're a big Jazz hardo, but I don't I don't care. I don't watch those games. I don't, I'm not, I'm never up late enough to watch them. So I, I'm missing out on the good basketball in the West, and I don't really have like pay attention to it in the storylines. So if you ask me if I even care, bro, I'll tell you. Not really. I don't really. Wow. And I love the Jazz. Like I you know, do. like I, I'm what like, don't get it twisted. Like I'm watching these games that I say I don't care about, which is probably you know that probably says something about my psyche. If like I'm a normal person or not, because I don't know if I am. Like I'm gonna watch the Celtics Jazz as many games as they have this series, but it's hard for me to care. And this is why the winner of that game is playing Doesn't the matter. Warriors next Doesn't next matter. round, <laughs> and Blake Griffin's out, and Rudy Gobert's out. So any puncher's chance that the Jazz or Clippers had at beating the Warriors or giving them a run for the was, money is that Was that, a, was that a knock on Blake Griffin? Puncher's <laughs> chance? Why? Because did he punch? Is that how he got hurt? Yeah, didn't he like punch like a... like a, like a Didn't he pull like the Odell Beckham punch a fire extinguisher? Or Mar- Mar- Sotomayor punch a fire extinguisher? And he just can't break his forearm? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, Gobert is the only hope for the Jazz to make a run, even to beat the, the Clippers. It was it seemed like he was their best chance to be there. Now the Jazz have a chance because Blake Griffin's out too, but either way, these teams are going to get beat by the Warriors. Probably swept. Sure. Right? So how do you care? I don't know about swept. I don't think either of them Warriors in five, you know? I don't know. Listen, people forget that the, uh, the Thunder almost beat the Warriors last year. I'm glad you said that because yeah. that's usually me who brings that up, and people try to poo-poo it like, Oh, they were gonna win the whole time. Like literally, no. Oh, they, they were, were down three one. No, they were always gonna win. They were gonna. They, they almost didn't, but at the end, they did. So, so you know, depends how you look at. Just it. like just like the Pacers and the Cavs this year, like they almost lost each of those games, but they weren't gonna ever lose those games. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, saw I saw a stupid Bleacher Report tweet at some point. It was like, 
Um, they, they just screenshotted the score. It was like the Pacers were up by 10 or whatever with like the eyes emoji. I'm like, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. I don't need to go tune into this game. And lo and behold, the Cavs won that game. So, Do or does actually, does anyone else in the Twitter world use the eyes emoji as much as a Bleacher Report? No, there's nobody. I didn't even know like that the people still use that until they just forced the issue and everyone like just reacts to it. If you if you like, how about the people that respond to Bleacher Report like on Twitter and just like like yeah you go Bleacher Report like things like that they just agree with them. How could you like do anything but mock them? They they uh <laughs> they made the decision to become influencers in the world of sports yeah, and sports media. And- Assholes. And uh, they basically just use emojis more than anybody else in the world. But that's besides the point. We Whatever. could do a whole podcast on what's wrong with social media and sports. Let's. But we're not. Let's going to skip to the East. So we already said we don't care about the Cavs series because it's literally over. Let's well, move to the next one. Wait, wait, did, did you hear the other day when LeBron was saying how um, him and Paul George are rivals, like the biggest rivals in the game? Oh, I, I, news to me, LeBron. Uh, so thank you for that information that... Didn't matter to anything. And it's not even true. He's the worst. I hate him so much. LeBron blames? Uh, Yeah, that's a new thing. Michael Rappaport. Yeah. Coined that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. But let's move on to the next series. The one we're actually having on in the background right now is Bulls versus the Celtics. TNT Bulls versus the Celtics. We got the TNT Bulls versus Celtics. Uh, Depending on the outcome, looks like the Celtics are up now. But you'll know when you're listening to this, it's either going to be 2-2 or 3-1 Bulls. Do you even care? Well... I, 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 some of the listeners might not know about the TNT Bulls. There's a reason I say that. They're like undefeated in their past like 32 games or something like that um, in uh, on TNT, the Bulls. So Which is hilarious. It's Twitter, ridiculous. Twitter like blows it up and that's actually kind of funny. So uh, they're on TNT right now. They were down like 12 before and they were up by 3. So we'll find out where it goes. But um, I, like, I like to see this. It was interesting. But then once Rondo went down... Rondo was like their kryptonite, like you said before. There's no way that they could have defended him because Isaiah Thomas is duty at defense um, and just can't match up with anyone. He was just penetrating. They have no interior. Um, but now it's done, and uh, I don't want to make a prediction on this game, but um, you know, if, they, if, if the Celtics win, which is so they are right now. Are you saying that if Rondo didn't get hurt, you still care about yeah, the series? Yeah, I've been watching every game. It's like the only series I've actually been watching. Wow. So you cared, and then Ronald getting hurt says, "Nah, I don't care anymore." Which is funny too, because I, I, I just think like the Bulls are like partners in misery with the Knicks for like the past like fifteen years or so, for the most part. I mean, I mean they had a couple more consistent years than us, but, but for yeah. the most part, especially now, yeah. And they have the weirdest team in the world. It's like the Chip Kelly's Eagles of of basketball. It's just super weird what they put together, and it doesn't work. But they just fo- found themselves in the playoff playoffs, and now uh, they can uh, like. And Rondo got the first seed, which is the my least favorite team in, in the league, probably. And Rondo was literally just one step ahead of everybody else on the court while he played game one and two. It's weird that Rondo got hurt. He doesn't usually get hurt in his career. It's a weird injury. It's a fracture of his thumb. So, like, that's got to be one of the most frustrating, like, injuries I for an athlete. I think sarcastic, by the way. Rondo gets oh, because he gets hurt all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't that one run right over my head. But it must be so frustrating to have an injury like that as a pro athlete because, like, you could still run. You could still, you still feel. Said he couldn't even like hold a spoon today. Right, but you could still feel good like physically, except for the one thing like you need to play yeah. basketball is like your hands. Like, yeah. Got to be one of the most frustrating things. And it's ever. not even your full hands; just that one phalange. <laughs> phalange is such a weird word to say. Uh, so, Art, we used to care about the Bulls, Celtics, but now uh, not so, not so as much. So now we got the one 
that is uh, no, we did two. Okay, yeah. Wizards, so, Wizards, Hawks. We got Wizards, Hawks, and we got Toronto, Milwaukee. Let's do Wizards, Hawks first. Do you care? No. You don't care? No. Wizards are gonna run away with that one. I, the I Hawks agree. might have threw a little win, win in there, but win at home. Yeah, they won at home. It's not a series unless you win away on the road. Yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> Wizards will probably win in five or six, probably. I Wizards have that one on locks. I don't care either. I just like watching the Wizards play. So I care by watching, but I don't care because the Wizards are going to yeah. walk away with it. Last one in the in the East, we have Milwaukee versus Toronto. Do you even care? I care. I'm not going to watch it, but like I, I care to look at the box scores and I and the highlights. Like I love Demar. Uh, I love Giannis, uh, and I just like to watch them do fun things. But like outside of Demar, I'm gonna throw that out. The the, the the Raptors are a boring team. Like they're really I don't even say what you will about like Kyle Lowry. They they have a lot of players on the team that do the right thing and put up the numbers and everything. Not like an exciting explosive team outside of like Demar. Serge Ibaka has moments. I keep forgetting he's on that team now. Yeah, but I understand what you're saying there. Demar Derozan is definitely like the pizzazz of the team. Yeah, and Lowry is like not. That much fun. I mean, they don't have, like, an explosive player like Giannis or, like, Matthew Delavadova or something like that. <laughs> so. Deli. Um, I definitely care about the series. And I care about it for two reasons. I think this is a serious coming out party for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think we talked about oh, that oh, recently. Oh, this season was a serious coming out party for Oh, him. no. This season was a coming out party for him. But when you do it in the playoffs, like, if he lifts this Milwaukee team above Toronto and makes it into the second round... That is huge for a career, like for career growth. Yeah, you know, just winning one playoff series, knowing that you can do it, like you knowing that you can be the guy on a playoff team and be a team that you're supposed to lose to, that does a lot for a player's confidence for a career. And I think that that makes the bull, the Bucks, which obviously they're already going all in on Giannis, go even more balls to the wall, all in on Giannis, and they could actually be like a contender with him because he's that good. You know what I think is crazy though is the fact that the the Nets just let Jason Kidd go to Milwaukee. He's just proving this year like he's a really good coach. He, like maybe he needed a year or two. He, he like forced the issue a little bit before he was ready to go. But he's a really good coach. He's not going to stay in Milwaukee for the rest of his career without a doubt. He's going to go to a premier franchise one day. Maybe go back to the Nets. I don't know. But he he's really showcasing his skills as a uh, as a head coach. Well, the reason he sandbagged the Nets to go to Milwaukee is because the Bucks gave him some power in the front office. They let him make oh, key decisions, and the Nets weren't doing that at the time. So he said, hell yeah, I'll take it because I'm going to grow something from the bottom. How could you not let the head coach? I, I think that, that should be more so the case in the NBA. I think you need the head coach to be more involved in the personnel. Well, a lot of teams are incorporating that nowadays, if you think across like the, the league. <laughs> Damn. What did you say? Sad. You know, you got Tom Thibodeau literally has both, and he like he has both titles right. in Minnesota. Stan Van Gundy, the same Detroit. Jason Kidd. I mean, it, it's it's happening across the league. Um, LeBron James is the coach, <laughs> GM as well. <laughs> but it, it happens is the point. Uh, but the overarching point for me is that I care about Milwaukee versus Toronto because Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't care about it because the Raptors. I don't care about it because what's going to happen in the next round. I care about it because this 22-year-old is taking steps that are so big, physically and literally. Is contract wait, no, up next year? Sorry, physically and literally doesn't make sense. Literally, <laughs> literally and metaphorically taking giant steps in this series that he will be one of the best players in the league. And I like to watch the early stages of his playoff career 
where maybe he won't win past the Cavs next year, but if he could beat the Raptors this year as a six seed, him and Jason Kidd as a combo can be a really strong force in the NBA. Did he get a contract extension? Giannis? Yeah, or is if, he still on his rookie? Because if his rookie won, he's been in the league for four years now, right? Or he may years? have signed an extension. I was going to say, because he can go cash in wherever he wants to go. That, that, that would, no matter what your situation on your team, you could put in one through five, essentially, and just be fine with it. Uh, that'd be really exciting. Um, and you know, they do, I, I, I hate saying this, and we're going to move on uh, after this. I think it's the last series. We talked about all of them already, right? Yeah. All right, yeah. So we're going to move on shortly well, after this. Well, the Knicks Pistons. <laughs> Good. And then, and I hate to say this because I really do believe the Cavs are going to win against the Bucks or the Raptors, but the way the Bucks match up with any team in the league because of their length right. and because of how good of a defensive coach Jason Kidd is, because obviously we know him as an offensive player, like the passing, he's one of the all-time leaders in three-point field goals made. And, you know, you think about Jason Kidd, you think about fancy passes, you think about no-look passes, some nifty layups. The dude is a defensive wizard, and the and the Bucks' strongest part of their team is their defense. So the way they match up with the Cavs is really interesting to me, and I want to watch that that series. So that's why I want to watch uh, Bucks versus. Cavs. Well, I said it before. I, I thought that the I've Raptors, seen Raptors Cavs before. Yeah, I want to see Bucks Cavs. Well, I, I was saying before. I think the Raptors match up really well against the Bucks, but I think the Bucks match up better against the Cavs than the Raptors do. So I think that the Raptors will lose that series. I think there's a chance. It's, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a there's a good enough chance that the Bucks could make it a real series. And I I would just love to watch that. So I, I'd love to watch LeBron cry and if, blame, the, blame the rest of his team. If we if we get to play anyway. if we play this game on the podcast for the second round of Do You Even Care, Bro? Um, I will definitely care about that series. So interesting stuff. But that's all we got for the NBA playoffs. Obviously, it's still going on. You'll know more than us when you're listening to this because we're recording on Sunday night, like we do. Uh, and the Celtics and Bulls are playing as we speak, and the Clippers and Jazz play later tonight. So maybe if, if we made predictions, we were far off, but maybe we were pretty right. And if you like what you've been hearing on the Sports Blog New York podcast, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. We do appreciate every single listener. Obviously, and we bring this up from time to time, we have a strong base of listeners in New York. So a big percentage of our people live in uh, the city, Staten Island, Brooklyn, surrounding Jersey, Pennsylvania areas. But we do kind of have some some viewers popping up uh, all around the nation here and there. Florida, I've seen people in Texas, uh, California. So if you like the show and you've been listening from out of town, shout us out. Hit us up on Twitter, which is at SportBlogNYC. If you want to hit up my personal Twitter, it's Pete underscore Kennedy 81. And you can find Alec Argento's Twitter on Twitter as well. <laughs> you have to find it yourself, though. It's a challenge. Uh, well, that's all we got for basketball. So let's move on to baseball. I know Alex's been kind of waiting for this topic. This is one that he has some some passions about, I'll say. But that's about the Yankees and their situation playing the Pirates this weekend, uh, interleague series. Their second one in a short time as well. But right before we get into the Yankee stuff, because we're gonna that's gonna be the big talking point of the rest of the show. Let's talk about the Mets for, for a hot minute, a couple minutes here. I think their biggest problem is offense. You tend to think their biggest problem is the bullpen. It may be possible that both are just actually pretty think, bad. That's what I think is the issue. But my thing is, and I'm going to tell you this and let me know what you think. The bullpen has been exposed in the past weeks or two. But when you look at strictly the run production of this Mets team, and you're seeing, you know, they won a game with five runs. Maybe they won a game with six runs. 
But that was two games in the past week. Otherwise, they've had they've topped out at four. They're scoring two runs, one run, sometimes three runs. You know, they're in all these games, and they have the chance to blow it in the bullpen because their starting pitching has been superb. But if you are scoring one, two, or three runs a game, you're not going to have consistent winning in this league, which is why I think priority number one is get the offense going. The bullpen will fall in place once they actually maybe pitch a game with a comfortable lead, and they're not having a lead 2-1 to one or 3-2 to two because their, their offense puts some runs on the board. Well, whatever it is, they got to get it figured out because I, I, I know that they say you can't you don't win the World Series in April, but you can lose the season in April, and you don't want to get too far behind in that division because I've been saying it for a while now, that Nationals team is a really good team. They're going to continue to win, and you're not winning that division at all. The A lot of the guys, a lot of the teams, that like the Rockies are looking really good. Um, the, the Brewers looking really good. The the, the Cubs. You, there's lim- there's finite amount of playoff spots. You can't fall beyond the eight ball too much in this in, in the National League right now. I think that's a really interesting point. You know, because I I always say that you know the baseball season's so long. There's so much time to make stuff make up ground, right? But unless you do or you pull off a winning streak like the Indians pulled off last right. year when they after the Cavs won the championship won what was it like fifteen in Something a row? Like that, yeah. Unless you have some extraordinary streak, like 15 games in a row where you're winning, it is really challenging to dig yourself out of a hole from April. You got to stay around 500 up until the All Star break, at least. You can't. That's the, at the bare minimum. You're not going to be able to dig yourself out of that hole. You can't get too far far behind the eight ball. Which I think is lucky for Mets fans and myself, of being a Mets fan, is that they're they're eight and ten, maybe eight and eleven, maybe nine and ten, depending on what happens in the Sunday night game. Daniel Murphy hit a grand slam, by the way, in the first inning. Uh, X-Men, great. They're only two or three games or one game under 500 right now. So it feels like they're playing very poorly, and quite frankly, they haven't been playing very well. But they're not too far off yet. Like, it's not like they started off like the Blue Jays. Like, you've you've been, you've stated this, you thought the Blue Jays were, were kind of bad this year anyway, but they started off in quicksand. Like, they have gone nowhere fast. It's almost like their team is so old and not that talented. And all their pitchers have a lot of elbow issues. Like it's, it's only like as if I said that the entire off season. I thought they were going to be trash. They're done. They're, you don't have to be condescending. I gave you credit. They, I know. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm basking in all my right predictions. Um, but they they're done. Like I I can guarantee you right now they're not going to the playoffs. Because when you start off a, a year four and twelve, and they have to uh, like two or three thirds, uh, th- uh, two or three fifths of their rotations on the DL already. Yeah. Oh, it's Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman, and Jay Happ are all on the, on the uh, DL already, which is brutal. Yeah, and, and especially, especially Aaron Sanchez is great. Yeah, yeah. and so J. A. Happ reinvented himself and he went back to Pittsburgh, uh, to Pittsburgh, and then came back to uh, Toronto. They uh, they don't have the op- like Jose Batista is back like one fifty with one home run of the year that he just hit yesterday. Yeah, he that team has no offense. Tulowitzki's old. He's not that, and he's always their only the true prime star right now is Josh Donaldson. But like, what can he's he hurt do? too. Oh, is he hurt? He's right now? DL. I didn't even know that because the Blue Jays have been irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, they, but they, they were losing without him. They're, they're just such a bad team. But I'm sorry, we don't, we don't want to do too much Blue Jays stuff. No, we don't. No, who wants to do that? Especially on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Oh, we, are, we had out of towners. Oh, we, I, don't, we haven't, I, don't, I haven't seen any Toronto people well, tell your on friends. the statistics, but I'll check. But tell your friends, anyway. Yeah, uh, let's go back to the Mets. So, Cespedes banged up now a little bit. Hamstring action. You know, kind of something that happens to him a lot. Is that why he doesn't hustle all the plays? Because he doesn't want to hurt his hamstring? <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> 
Uh, I just think it's imperative for them to figure out ways to put runs on the board. And I think we've reached a point that Conforto needs to be in the lineup every day because I think he is a guy who has point? upside. It has, it has to be... Anderson? I think it has to be a little bit of a mix. It would really help if he could play anywhere else besides outfield. But I think Granderson ends up being the odd man out. Because Conforto has upside and he has talent that will tr- like can transcend what Granderson does. The problem is you don't have anyone else who can play third base uh, besides Reyes and, and Wright. So you can't really switch anyone around. Of, of, of but we have Wilmer Flores. But of right? importance. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you need someone over there that you like within the lineup that you can transition over there to create a spot over in the infield. You can take somebody out of the outfield. Maybe put him at first base or something like that. Well, dude, he can't really. You need a DH. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That well, dude is, you know, he's fine at first. and But you know what he is. You, you no, know, no, I'm saying you guys, it, it's just... Being that I was watching interleague play in the National League ballpark, it's so ridiculous that you guys have to fit eight, eight people into a nine-man lineup. It, 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 uh, it's uh, nine, nine people into an eight-man lineup is what I meant to say. And I like what you're bringing up, so we're going to get into that too but right now. So I'm going to end off this Mets talk with saying I'm a frustrated Mets fan who really thinks offense is a bigger problem than the, than the bullpen right now. Conforto, I want to see his name in the lineup card way more than I don't see his name in the lineup card. And that's just how I feel. So if you're a Mets fan and you don't think he deserves to be in the lineup yet, please tweet at me and give me reasoning why. Because he's a guy who has upside and can do different things on the field. We have too many guys like Granderson and Bruce and Duda and even Cespedes at times who only affect the team positively on the offensive end by hitting home runs. And we need people who can hit some doubles. And we need people to get on base. And those guys just don't exist in the Mets lineup right now. And it's being highlighted by the fact that Jose Reyes has been trash so far this year. But that's what I got on the Mets. Now let's move to the next topic. But before we do, this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. But this is the thing we've been talking about for a while, you and I, off podcast. I don't think we've ever brought right. it up on the podcast. Maybe one time we did. Imagine in the Eastern Conference of the NBA and the Western Conference, the, the West had a player... That you can keep on defense. Like, you say you were the Jazz and you had Rudy Gobert. He actually didn't have to run down on, on offense. He had to stay on the other side of the court and solely be the sixth man on the floor and solely play defense. Like, he wasn't allowed past half court. In essence, and like say, or, and also in the Eastern Conference, that wasn't a thing. Like someone who was designated to play defense. Right, like a designated defense <laughs> defensive player. Like a DD. Had, ex- a D, oh, a DD. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Short, it's easier that Exactly. Way. Like, okay. imagine there was a DD in okay. basketball. But it's only, crazy. But only in the Western Conference. Like, the Knicks didn't have a DD. But when they went to Utah to play the Jazz, they had to put in Marshall Plumley to be their DD, who's never played the position before in his life because it doesn't exist in his conference. <laughs> like, imagine that, right? It would almost seem like ridiculous that that would happen in real life. Right. You'd almost think that well, well, they're not even maybe in the same a, Maybe it's a new thing, right? The, the, oh, this yeah. D, this D thing, the, it just happened like within a couple of years and they're just trying it out. They're testing it out in the West, maybe right. the East. It hasn't out. been around for like 70 years now, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just, okay just make it short. Like, you could, you, you could almost argue that like they're not even the same league. It's like a different sport almost. But... So, but they don't play each other very often, right? They, it's oh, not no, like, no. It's they, not like the league's making them play each other all the time. They've actually been playing each other more than they ever have before. Well, Pete, that just sounds ridiculous. Doesn't it? Yeah. Does that happen in sports? I think so. Where? It, it happens in baseball. Oh, okay. The MLB oh, my God. has different <laughs> rules for two leagues in the two conferences, divisions in the same league. But, 
All right, so so like let's just let's just talk about the Yankees Pirates uh, series this uh, this week. So they they lost two out of, uh, two out of three. It's not that big of a deal. They lost today against Ivan Nova, which is infuriating. Ivan Nova put up seven innings of one run ball. He looks like a Cy Young contender this year at the Pirates after we traded him last year. He was dog shit for us for years. Um, but I just watch how you have to you have. Uh, I saw Michael Pineda come up once with. Men, men on second and third. And when you say come up, you mean to the plate. To the plate. And you it, with two outs, and you're like, okay, well, the inning's over. What are we going to do? Because the, he's, he never takes, in his entire career, he's never taken batting practice. Like, he's he's not someone who, like, he doesn't know how to hit. Even, like, and, and, like there's an issue of whether it's easier for a National League team to go to an American League ballpark or vice versa. It is so ridiculous. These pitchers know how to bunt. Our pitchers do not know how to bunt. Absolutely, at all. like National League pitchers, it's a big skill to be able to bunt. Like it's semi important. Like they work on it during, during yeah. the year, and like they actually take batting practice, like occasionally, maybe not all the time, but they do it. Like they practice it. And the, but also, your rosters are built for your league too. Like here in the National League, you have more position players than you have. Like you have more position players on your reserves than you have bullpen uh, guys most of the time. Yeah. The Yankees have like four guys on their on their bench. Everyone else is bullpen. They all, they're a bullpen team. That's all they do. So you have to force players, and, and they don't play multiple positions. You have one utility guy, one backup catcher, and then like a fourth outfielder, and then whatever, whatever else you have on the on the bench. Pete Cosme can't be hitting. He hit. He was up today with uh, bases loaded, two outs today in the ninth inning because of all the double switches and all the the substitutions. And we don't have anyone left on the bench. And this is what you have to do. Matt Holliday is one of our better hitters. He should be playing every game. You don't sign a guy to a $13 million deal to have to play on the bench when you play uh, uh, across, uh, across the league. It is so ridiculous. They didn't, they didn't get destroyed. I mean, they won 11-5 yes, uh, two nights ago. Uh, but why is this still a thing? Why is it really play a thing? And why is it really play without uniformity a thing? It just makes no sense to me at all. And also... Uh, John Jaso is my least favorite player in all of the MLB right now. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his stupid hair. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe actually it's definitely his stupid okay, hair. Okay, it's his stupid hair. And like the fact that he looks like if he didn't have that hair, he'd be like on the uh, uh, like the like the board of directors of some like Fortune 500 co- company. But he's just wearing a party wig at the Christmas party that year. So, <laughs> I hate him so much. Well, let's get to the point here because John Jaso is not the point. He's my He's my every point. <laughs> There's two leagues in the MLB, the National League and the American League. You would think that they play the same game. But when you really think about it, like we joked before with the NBA having a designated defender, they have two different setups for a team, like you mentioned. An American League team is able to have more bullpen help and not care as much about their backup field position players because they don't need to. They don't need to do double switches all the time. They don't need to, you know... Pinch hit for a pitcher three times a game right. sometimes. And nationally but why, teams but why is that have fun? to do that. And this is the thing. You and I are not arguing yeah. on which one is a better idea, which one's like more fun for the game. Like That's besides the point to me. The point to me, and like I can't believe it's like never talked about, how is there two different rules for the same sport? Like, you need to have figure it out. And it's not Especially, even like there's this old school rule from, like, the 1800s. This came around in, like, like the 50s. Ron Bloomberg, whenever he came around. whenever He was the first DH. It's not like there's this old tradition to it. That what, Like, you, you already made the DH. You already destroyed whatever tradition there is of having the pitcher back. 
Now teams are made around it. Just baseball at every other level. High school, college, minor leagues, semi-pro. Internationally? Internationally, semi-pro. All have a DH, except for the National League and the Major League Baseball. Like, it is just bizarre. And it doesn't get any press at all. Like, nowadays at least. Maybe it will soon. No, that's like a a timeless argument. People always say NL versus AL. What they're doing now, too, is pushing interleague play. So there's actually more interleague play than there ever was before. And it's highlighting the fact that they play two different games. You don't see a lot of, you know, sacrifice bunts in the American League. Because they have a guy in their lineup who's meant to be the best hitter on the team a lot of the times. And the National League has a guy in their lineup who takes batting practice once a week. And then the American League pitcher comes to City Field to play the Mets, and he hasn't swung the bat since he's been in Little League because he's been a pitcher and he hasn't hit. And then he has to get up there and swing a bat. Like, who's winning? Who's winning here? It, it, it's, a, it's a the detriment of both leagues when interleague play happens, whatever stadium you're going to. Your, your first guy off the bench is not the equivalent of... Of David Ortiz. David Ortiz was one of the best hitters in baseball because he was on steroids last year. Uh, but oh, <laughs> whoa. That in there. Trying to slip that in there. Uh, I'm not even saying allegedly. He was totally on steroids. Um, Black beans. Yeah, but he, he was their, arguably their best hitter last year. I mean, Yes. Mookie Betts had a phenomenal year, but David Ortiz was like the Overall, heart yeah, of that lineup. Yeah. And he, you don't have that in the National League at all. You have nobody who can produce what he does when he goes to the league. So there's a huge discrepancy between the two. And... But, you know, when a pitcher has to hit on for the American League team, it's easy out. An automatic. Also, there's this rule, too, where pitchers only hit, throw fastballs to each other. It's so stupid. Yeah, that's a rule? That's not it's, like an unwritten, it's like an unwritten rule where uh, like, I mean, they show respect to each other. It's so stupid. Just get rid of the, the, the pitcher hitting. And you know what people say, and there's probably somebody listening to this podcast right now saying, yeah, but then, like, what about Madison Bumgarner? Like, he's not going to be able to hit? I'd rather have a DH who could hit 30 home runs a year than Madison Bumgarner hitting two a year. You know what I say to that, though? What? Madison Bumgarner is pretty fun to hit. If he's good enough to hit, then he'll be in the lineup. But I guarantee you, he won't be. Like, he, maybe unless he pushes for it himself, like, they will have somebody else who's better than well, him. Well, two things, two things. Madison Bumgarner is also good at hitting the ground He uh, on his dirt bike because uh, he's, uh, he's going to be out for like three months. Yeah, he's um, in a DL. Because he's sure. an idiot hick. Um, great Whoa. pitcher. Great pitcher. Idiot hick. Um, <laughs> but the only person I'd be so curious to see what team grabs him is that Japanese player, Shohai Otani, who they're saying is the Japanese Babe Ruth because he is like the best pitcher in the league and the best pitcher, uh, hitter in the league. Um, and whatever team grabs him, whether it's AL or NL, what they're going to do with him. Because if an American League t- team hits him, a lot of people think they're going to DH him on his off days, which would be so cool. Because uh, for, for who? Shohai Atani. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. He throws like 101 miles an hour, and he also hits like 500-foot bombs. Right, so that's, the, that's like even better my point. So if there is a pitcher who is a good enough hitter, who's a worthy hitter, then, you know, the team will think about putting him in. Yeah. But for every other pitcher... Like, there is a guy uh, who came who got, oh man, now I'm losing the name. Like, an average MLB pitcher. Spent a couple years in the American League, a couple years in the National League. Like, just let's call him Joe, Joe Jonathan. Okay. Not Joe a real Jonathan. guy. Just made him up. Average. Is Joe Jonathan a Hall of Famer, though? No. Okay. He's an average up for debate, MLB though. pitcher. <laughs> it's up for debate. He was like a, he was one for 50 in his career at the plate. Like, why is that guy getting at bats? Like, there's, figure it out, MLB. Either take the DH away, which I think would be a bad idea, or just put it in both leagues because there's no reason to have two different leagues play different sports. But another thing, like, you know, the MLB's always trying to see how they can get a younger audience. And I'll tell you, one way, 
get rid of an instant out in a game. Like it breaks. It's there's no tension to it at all. It's it's instant out. Let's imagine the Yankees were a, a National League team, right? We always talk about Aaron Judge. We love Aaron Judge. I'm a Mets fan. I, f- I love that watching Aaron Judge hit right now because his power is ridiculous. If Joe Girardi was going to use his technique of kind of like hiding Judge in the lineup earlier in the year, he was batting lower. Remember, mm-hmm. he was batting ninth. Yeah. Say he was batting eighth on a National League team. He's now getting treated like a cleanup hitter, right? Like, because there's like he's the he's the guy. Like you got you could get just walk him because you're going to face somebody horrible next. Like that that place in the lineup like doesn't exist in the American League. And you always say it. An ERA in the American League versus an ERA in the National League is not even close because the lineups are just built completely differently. There ain't no holes in an American League, a good American League lineup. Even the best National League lineup has a clear, glaring hole at the end of it. Then you, when you can pitch around someone, no matter what, I've seen, I've seen it happen where they pitch around two or three guys to get to the uh, to the pitcher because they know it's an automatic out. There's two outs already. We'll just keep worrying about the pitcher. Just what we'll, we'll get there. It's just nonsense. Right? So, like, right now the Yankees are playing the Pirates, you say, right? Yeah. So there's two outs and the seven guys up, but no one on base. Eh, I don't really want to pitch. Ronald Torres ain't great. What is he going to do? Walk Ronald Torres. Aaron Judge is bad name. Ronald Torres has been playing fantastic. He, he has been playing great. <laughs> That's not my point. Walk Ronald Torres. Walk Aaron Judge. Face Michael Pineda. Probably has five hits in his career. Boom. Inning was boring and over. one hit in his career, by the way. One hit in his entire career. Oh, I know. It might have been a walk. He's been, he has, he's been on base once in his career. <laughs> there um, you go. But, Pete, you asked, me, you asked a question at the beginning of the podcast. Is it time to start cha- At what point do we start changing our expectations of, of the Yankees? And it's, it's so easy to say that they're a good team because they've been playing well. you got to have the expectations that they're not going to compete at a high level this year, that they might scrap along a wild card or something like that. Because they have not faced good teams yet uh, at all. They're playing the Red Sox at home. If they can win one or one game and keep the other two close, even if they lose them or, lose them or win them, I'll say they're a legitimate team. I'm not saying they're a legitimate contender. They're a legitimate team. They're no slouch. And also, everyone's assuming that um, like you know we're going to get so much better with, with Gary Sanchez and Didi Gregorius. Austin Roman's been playing amazingly. Uh, Ronald Torres has been playing really, really good. For what they are, they're, pl- they're, they're both batting around 300. Uh, Ronald Torres has like 13 RBIs. Uh, Austin Roman's always got to, he's got the second highest average behind JT Real Mudo of uh, Miami for all the catchers in baseball. Mm. You, you have to see, Gary Sanchez was struggling when he was playing. And now, what's he going to be now more than he was before? Rusty. Right, and then. Didi Gregorius is not playing. I mean, he's start- he's doing well in his in his uh, uh, extended spring training is, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't hit at a professional level in you know like um, like eight months or whatever it was. So I I like to give my Yankee fan friends, including you, kind of crap when I can, because you know I'm a Mets fan. I've been getting crap for more years than not for my whole life, right? So when I get to take digs at Yankee fans, I really like I do enjoy it. I've- I I kind of root for the Yankees. I think if you hear me talk on this podcast about the Yankees, you know I try to be like pretty unbiased about it, except for when I'm making a joke or you know trying to dig at you. Now, I said this all year, I mean before the year, this season should not be about wins or losses for the Yankees. Right. Now, I think you are doing a really good job at keeping your expectations tempered and level because I know a lot of Yankee fans are already out there. Yankees are back. Yankees are back. In fact, Joe Calabrese, guy on this podcast, maybe once a week, every once every two weeks, 
his Snapchat almost every single day says Yankees are back. Yankees are back. It's so early. You have to wait. I, I'm going to make like an imaginary line in the calendar. It has to be May 20th. And they have to be still playing like this. Like you need another, you need basically two months of the season under the belt before you start saying they're back. Because they can lose, they lost two to the Pirates this weekend. Yeah. They can do that three more times, lose two out of three, and all of a sudden they seem a lot more average than they were yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So you still got to slow your roll, Yankee fans. Listen, you know what I think is a really good sign though? They're winning their home games. They didn't do that last year. They, they're winning their home, they did it towards the end of the season, but. When you can win your home games, good things happen. And then if you can get to the playoffs, you'll win your home games in the playoffs. Um, you're gonna you gotta expect to lose on the road. You just keep it as close to 500 as you can. And if they, I want to see how they do in the next homestand. If they can go, if uh, whatever it is, say it's a 10 game homestand. If they can go seven and three, you say all right, this team this team can handle their business at home. You can feel confident in a team that handles their business at home. I like that. So I think the Yankees are in a good place, no matter what. You know, maybe the expectations for some people are getting too high right now. That's their fault, so I'm not, right. I'm not, I don't care about them. Overall, the Yankees as an organization are in a good place. You got to like what you're seeing out of guys like Judge. Even the, the no-name guys, like you mentioned, the Romine, the Torres, these people of the world, of the Yankees organization, got to make you feel a little comfortable about the operation that the Yankees have been running. So I think they're in a good place overall. Just don't get too high, don't get too low. They look like they could be decent right now, though. I'll tell you though on one quick note, if they can be mediocre by the uh, by the um, All Star break, they're gonna have some real nice trade pieces, uh, real nice ones. Matt Holiday is on a one year deal; he can make a nice uh, uh, you know penciled in offense on somebody's team. Ronald Torres is only twenty four years old; has looked really good this year so far. Austin Romine, Yankees have a tendency of trading their their backup catchers for for pieces all the time, uh, just trading their their catching prospects. He could do something really good. Aaron, Aaron Hicks has been playing really well. I hate Hicks. Yeah. I, I still hate Hicks. <laughs> um, but they're going to have some... If they can keep flipping guys and just keeping the people that you know are going to be around for the next decade or so, they can keep getting healthier and healthier and healthier. Yeah. As so, a franchise. It's not bad. Not bad. I have, a, I have a text that I got from a friend that I think you as a Yankee fan can relate to. So, Richie Crims, actually writer for Sports Blog in New York, he texted to our writer group chat... So Conforto gets two hits in two at-bats against the reigning Cy Young winner. So, dot, 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 back to the bench tomorrow. Because <laughs> uh, can't you jo- kind of yeah, feel oh, that yeah. Joe Girardi? Uh, Mets and Terry Collins and Conforto feel the Greg same Bird, thing. Greg Bird, literally, he had the three-for-three three night with a walk. Next day was bench. Say back to the same exact struggles. You need to keep guys hot. It's just so ridiculous. Very, very interesting stuff. Finder Joe. So we're a little nervous about the Mets, but we have hope. Yankees we feel good about, but we have not doubts. Hope for the best, expect the worst. Yes. We don't have, say, doubts for the Yankees, but we have to... You know, Cautious optimism. Up. Cautious optimism. Boom. That was beautifully said. Thank you. Cautious optimism for the Yankees. A little bit of nerves for the Mets, but they got time. That's what we got in this NLB season. We got some time still. So hopefully you enjoyed the show. You got any final thoughts before we end up? Uh, let's go Yankees. Let's go Mets. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. This is Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Alec Argento. Subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. Peace.